The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm John Janetta, and I bring you greetings from Heartland Family Service in Omaha, Nebraska, and Council Bluffs, Iowa, and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, we're going to be talking about driving revenue in the nonprofit and public sectors. And to help us have our conversation today, we are so fortunate to have with us our very special guest, Jill Sloop. Uh, Jill is the CEO of Verde Martin and has offices in Omaha, Nebraska, and Chicago, Illinois. We invite each of you in our listening audience to join in in our conversation by calling 1-866-472-5790. You can also email us by clicking on the email host button on our show's landing page right under the bookmark show link. So thank you so much for joining our, sh- our show today, Jill. Well, thanks. Yeah, you know, we, we posted a brief bio about you on our show's landing page, but um, I always think it's helpful for our listeners to know a little bit more about the people that we're, we've invited onto our show before we actually jump into the meat of it. So uh, maybe we could just start off with you telling us a little bit about who you are and um, uh, maybe your experience um, in uh, driving sales. Sure. Well, I... Um I started Verdi Martin about six years ago, and it was really the byproduct of listening to clients. And at the time, we had been doing a little bit more on the marketing, and, and uh, a lot of clients just really wanted to uh, develop their sales process. And so I developed a, a very structured sales audit-type uh, module um, process that I walk businesses through, and we have now um, added more auditors. And so we have uh, six people. Um, between Chicago and Omaha, um, leading businesses through a sales audit. So it's pretty exciting. Great. And, and that, that audit is designed to do what? To help them figure out what they could do better or revamp their whole yeah, process? Or what? You know, really to accelerate sales and, you know, to, to drive efficiencies, identify gaps. Um, and one of the things that after the audit that we do is we stay with a client for a year. So we develop very specific key performance indicators what we call KPIs, and uh, by making sure that you measure your sales process, um, you accelerate sales because, uh, you know, things that are top of mind or things that are monitored usually get the, our full attention. Sure. So, um, and what led you to doing that work? I mean, what, what did you, obviously you had some experience to be able to come up with that kind of a process. Where did that come from? So right out of college, I was hired by the Department of Defense, and I worked on Air Force bases. I did my first two years in Minot, North Dakota. Why not Minot? Freezing was the reason. Sure. And uh, so I did two years and learned that business, and then I went on to other Air Force bases, and um, we converted facilities that could make money, like your golf course, bowling alley, officers club, youth centers, child development centers, 
that could make money to make money. And um, I won some awards when I was over in Asia and then came back and, and basically managed the Air Combat Command and uh, ran training programs and really taught those business leaders on how to actually, you know, look at their business and really make that profitable. And, and that's really the foundation of our sales audit um, today is, is kind of the work I had done um, for the Air Force. And, and when I left, um, all of our bases were at expectation or above. So uh, the, the process, you know, really works. And had, had you, did you go to college and major in business or you just picked it up through this, this work? Well, um, no, my undergrad um, is, I have an undergrad actually in recreation and in business, and um, it was, you know, it's really, it was through having a base knowledge of business, but really having a very specific goal in regards to when I was hired to really go into a business and to what to really look at, and, um, you know, because there are some facilities that you wouldn't think ever could make money, but, uh, and then there are things that naturally should make money, like a golf course or things and um, and where the the bases were located there was lots of you know immediate users within those facilities so it's really a matter of of just you know really looking at the business and then and looking for those gaps and and implementing some change to really drive um, revenue so you know our our um, show is all about leadership mm-hmm. and so before we um, dive a little bit more into what you do and how that makes a difference and whether it's even possible or how it's possible in our nonprofit and public sectors. Um, tell us about somebody that you would see as a best example of a high-impact leader. Um, well, I had a hard time deciding um, when I thought about your show and, and who would probably be you know, my favorite leader. And I guess I took kind of a sales um, thought process and I really thought about Robert Cialdini. He is a PhD at Arizona State University, and he wrote a book called Influence and the Psychology of Persuasion. And really, it's kind of been kind of a foundation book for me in regards to approaching organizations and people. Um, our, I feel like our goal in life sometimes is to actually move people. And it doesn't always have to revolve around having a sale, but definitely getting people to um, kind of do or change a behavior. And uh, so for me, he, uh, he definitely was kind of a, a, a huge influencer in regards to thinking about sales. And I, if I understand, he's coming to Omaha pretty soon, isn't he? He is, yep. The weekend right before the Berkshire meeting, he'll be speaking actually in Omaha. I, I, I'm hoping to get to meet him. So uh, he's been a hero for a long time. Awesome. I hope that happens. Yeah, me too. So um, you've talked a little bit about um, your company, and you use the word sales acceleration. Mm-hmm. What, what does that, I mean, that's how you describe the, your firm, too. What exactly does sales acceleration mean? Is it just getting more money, bringing no, in more money? No, it's not. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, the show we talk about nonprofit and profitable um, firms. So I work with a lot of nonprofit organizations, and one of which is the Nebraska Humane Society. And, you know, one of the things that we wanted to accelerate, right, was the rate of people adopting animals. And so if we had more animals adopted, the euthanizing rate would actually be reduced. So some things, you know, it's not always about profitability, but it definitely is. I think of any service or any product as, you know, anytime someone, so to speak, uses it or or wants to buy it, 
as kind of a sale. Uh-huh. And, um, and sometimes just, you know, getting people to come to a free concert. But, you know, our goal is people have to show up. So you have, how do you get them there, right? So you have to sure. move people. And uh, so sometimes, you know, sales acceleration, I guess, in a certain way I could think of, you know, our ability to actually get people to move. And sometimes that means the, the team and the, and the management team, or it means the staff in regards to changing a behavior, or sometimes it might mean, you know, using good marketing to actually, you know, get your end user or your buyer to, uh, to move. So you're really accelerating impact, it sounds like. Yeah, in some in some organizations that that is true. When I first got started, I didn't really think I would work with nonprofits very often. Um, but um, yeah, that impact is is within almost any organization, state, you know, government, nonprofit, for profit. Yeah. And I don't know it. I don't want to put words in any of my colleagues' mouths or ideas, but. Um, Based on some people I know who who lead in this area, they might be wondering, well, you know, we're we don't really do sales, so how how why is this topic even important? Um, I mean, well, I think no offense, but I think the sales makes the world go round. Uh, I think we all sell every single day. We might sell our child to actually make their bed, or we might um, sell our teacher to give us an A in the classroom. On the other hand, we might sell our boss to give us a raise because we've had some outstanding performance or we've met expectations, or we might just have, you know, put a smile on a client's face. So I I kind of come back to that word impact, and I think you're right on it in regards to um, people are selling every single day um, because we get people, you know, to do things that we want. And and should we be quick to dismiss that because we're a public agency or a nonprofit agency that that um, there could possibly be uh, financial resources that we're leaving on the table because we're just not thinking about something that we do in in the right way that there's money to be made we just aren't seeing it. Well, my experience would say that that's possible. I worked with a um, the Bloomingdale Park District and outside of Chicago, and interesting. One of the things that we measured with them, a KPI, came to be their cancellation rate. Now, a standard cancellation rate in a, for, the, for the park district or for that field is about 25%. And I just kept putting myself in the shoes of a client. And say I'm a nine-year-old and there's this great art class that I looked through this booklet and there's this great class that I'm going to sign up. And then two days you know, before the class is going to, you know, that's supposed to take place, and I'm all excited, they call to say, gosh, we're really sorry, but we don't have enough people to s- sign up for that class, so you're not going to be able to have that class. So that customer experience for that nine-year-old is really detrimental, or even, ne- you know, negative. It doesn't, you know, it depends on what extreme you're thinking about, but, you know, that's, that's a not a positive experience. A better positive experience, one of the, the park district's goals was to actually reduce that cancellation rate by offering fewer classes, so there were fewer classes for, you know, kids to pick from, but then if it got close to actually go out and, so to speak, sell it, you know, send an email to the family saying, gosh, you know, think of any of your friends that might participate, or um, doing some email marketing that's, you know, very specific to nine-year-olds who, who in the past have taken art classes and, and selling it at the front desk you know, like hunting kids down that might, you know, have interest in sure. our class to get them to sign up so that that experience is, is more positive. And, uh, and sometimes it's not always monetary, but, um, 
in regards to that park district, by reducing their cancellation rate, they did drive revenues, but the customer experience was so much better. It was, it was a really good thing for them to focus on. So they were able to reduce the cancellation rate then? Significantly, yeah. Yeah, and of course, then revenue goes up. Customer, you know, surveys, you know, we got more positive reviews. And uh, it, overall, it was, a really, it was a really good thing. So, but, you know, you have to, not everybody always thinks about, you know, looking at, you know, it depends on, you know, a lot of times we always do a financial audit, but we're not always looking at our sales process. Yeah, you know, and that, that one example, I can think of lots of um, sort of related entities that um, could learn from that experience, like um, colleges and universities, you know, cause generally speaking, if you don't have a certain number of students in, enroll in a class, financially, it doesn't make sense to offer it. You're just going to lose money every day you offer it. So uh, frequently, they have to close it. And that, that creates a lot of problems besides the, you know, just being unhappy that your class didn't get to meet. For some, for some students, it could mean you have to, to remain in school longer than you had anticipated because maybe that particular course isn't offered every semester. Yeah, when you need that's to a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I was looking. I, I was looking at. Um, I had read um, the October issue of the Nonprofit Quarterly, and they were talking in there about how, um, in the nonprofit sector, revenues have increased. Uh, I think forty-one percent uh, since two thousand, between two thousand and two thousand and ten, which is about double GDP. So nonprofits. We are growing our revenue. We're doing something to drive revenue. Of course, that includes education and healthcare, uh, which in many instances off- operate much more like businesses than do, let's say, social assistance um, nonprofits or arts or recreation nonprofits. But one of, the, one of the things I keep thinking about as it relates to this topic and why I was excited to have you on as a guest is because especially in my world, which is um, social, a lot of social services, mm-hmm. is that we, while our re- revenues have been growing too, it's been coming mostly from federal, state, and local grants. And I don't see a future where that kind of public funding is going to keep growing. It's, it can only decrease when you consider our national deficit. And at some point, I imagine, our elected officials will figure out that, you know, we, we've got to make cut. We're not going to have a choice. We're going to have to cut back on things. Right. And so then how do we continue to operate without those public sources of support? How, what do we do to drive more of our revenue? And, and I think that means trying to develop some of those competencies around sales that you've developed over your career and that you impart to your customers. Yeah. So I can give you another example um, at the Humane Society, right? They have a spay and neuter clinic that is, um, that's literally all they do. And it definitely feeds the goals of you know, the organization, because if every pet were spayed and neutered, neutered there wouldn't be excess animals, right? Um, yeah. So, hey, Jill, I'm getting the cue to go to a break. Oh, Maybe when we get back, we'll pick, we'll pick it up, up with, with this particular story, because I think it's an interesting one, and right. that um, uh, will provide a great um, sort of context for further discussion. So um, we're going to take a short break, and when we return, uh, Jill will continue to share some of her personal experiences helping organizations like ours accelerate sales and drive revenue. So please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Does money drive you or does it serve you? When you listen to Money in Your Life, you'll discover the answer to that question. Tune in as hosts Brian Barr and Ann Hutchins bring you thought-provoking discussions designed to help you understand and assess exactly how money operates in your life. Take control of your personal finances. Money in Your Life is broadcast live every Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make your money work for you. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back. I am your host, John Janetta, and with me today is Jill Sloop, CEO of Verde Martin, and we've been talking about how to drive revenue in our nonprofit and public sectors. So, Jill, before we went on a break, you were um, just starting to tell us an experience you had in assisting the Nebraska Humane Society. So, one of the concerns that I hear sometimes from nonprofits is that they're not supposed to make money. <laughs> and, um, and sometimes board of, boards of directors and, and things of, of nonprofits, they're like squeamish about having um, a revenue source. Um, so partly, you know, changing that philosophy is, is, you know, providing options. So one of the options that the Humane Society did as kind of a profit center was to create a spay and neuter clinic that all they did was spay and neuter um, animals. And it definitely supported their mission but that's as a profit center to actually help pay for the rest of the operations. So I'm sure. a big believer in, you know, sometimes having something that fits the mission that still is a profit center can actually, you know, support the overall operation of, of that nonprofit. And you can apply the same kind of concept in, in regards to for-profit also. Yeah, you know, I think... Um we, we as nonprofit leaders need to do a better job, I guess, of educating the community about the fact, and even our own employees, about the fact that as nonprofits, we are more than able to generate revenue. It's just what makes us different than for-profit corporations is that we in, reinvest the profits back into our corporation instead of sharing the profits with our, our um, shareholders, or yeah. in our case, stakeholders. So, in fact, um, it's, I think I would say probably bad business practice to not have targets for profitable targets for nonprofits because um, if nothing else, just to have cash flow um, because 
anymore, the lag time between when you provide a service and get paid, especially if you have any government contracts, is it's longer and longer. So if you don't have some money sitting in the bank to be able to write checks, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So now, as you were describing early on uh, before we went to the commercial, Jill, mm-hmm. you have a process that you use with um, companies to help them think through their whole sales process. I think it would be really interesting and helpful to have you sort of talk through an example of what that looks like using a real a real client that you've worked with. I mean, if sure. you have to change some things for confidentiality, that's okay. obviously very appropriate. But just to give us a better sense of what really is, is going on and what, what are the things that we need to be looking at. Okay. So I'll, I have a manufacturer, and um, so I'll use them kind of as the example. So... Whenever we start out looking at doing, you know, a sales audit, everything starts with what the goals of the operation are. And in some cases, you know, we look at one to three year goals and then we look at what we call big, hairy, audacious goals, where you want to take the business 25 years from now. And the reason that we do that is if you have a clear vision as to where the, org- you know, the organization or the, you know, business wants to go, you, you get there faster than if you're only thinking, you know, in terms of, you know, one to three years. So we look at both. And by understanding kind of the culture of the organization, looking at the values, um, the mission, vision, and then the purpose, and in a lot of cases when you're doing your sales audit, your organization might be in, in you know, a process of change. You might have, so to speak, you know, an owner retiring, et cetera. So you want to actually develop your plan thinking that one to three year and then again that, that long term. So everything starts with the goals. What do you want, you know, those end goals to look like? The second step is what we call the steps of the sale. And what that is, is we actually look at the steps of the buy, how someone actually buys a product, and then how you're currently selling it. And we marry up the two. And this is, quite honestly, where we find the most efficiencies. So, so often, we've done it this way for the last five years. Well, that's not necessarily always the best way for the customer. And again, looking at things specifically you know, for the customer, um, in my manufacturing example, one of the things that we learned was is that we have people that come and pick up product who sometimes have to sit around, you know, for long periods of time because there might have been a miscommunication in regards to when something's, you know, um, going to be finished and or what's even being um, ordered. So one of the aspects that we put together um, was having a staging area, so to speak, that was comfortable and nice for the person who was picking up the product to actually wait. A lot of times they would just go and sit in their trucks. Oh, wow. Right. So, again, looking at, you know, and how could we actually make the, the buying, you know, easier for, for the customer. So we created an online form. So, again, um, there weren't multiple phone calls or any, you know, um, misinformation communicated. But, again, just streamlining that process. And, in, in essence, what happened was we actually reduced the number of hours that it actually took from the order time to actually to delivery or pickup in, in, in whichever case. And, and um, by reducing that time, a lot of these, these manufacturing parts went out to construction sites that, you know, they could be using that material today or, or later. But um, the efficiencies alone increased the sales process, which increased, so to speak, the the profitability, because in essence, you could be producing more items and selling more items um, in a day um, because our the selling process was shortened. And then by, you know, improving the experience for the customer, 
um, especially, you know, even just the person picking that, that product up, it was, it was nice. Um, and then we look at the third step is actually to look at the marketing. So you want to make sure that your marketing actually touches the person who makes the buying decision. And in some cases, it doesn't. Um, I sat down weirdly with a, um, a hating an air contractor, and uh, we made a list of all their advertising uh, elements and then how that supported the person actually making the decision. And, and many of the items didn't even touch um, the decision maker. So they were doing advertising at, at volleyball games and, and uh, a, a youth um, baseball team, and um, they were doing um, all, all kinds of things that never, ever touched the decision maker. And uh, so then, you know, you want to make sure that your marketing is always supporting your steps of the sale. Then you want to make sure that your, your, your talent management, so to speak, is, is supporting the sale. So, you know, is your compensation, does it actually drive the behavior of the salesperson that, you know, you want to have? Um, are they engaged? I, we're big believers in an in, in engagement survey and, um, and comp training. Um, we look at that under the, the, um, the talent management um, core. And then lastly, the fifth step is to actually look at systems. So you want to make sure that you have a customer relationship management system that actually touches all of your customers and what does that system look like. You want to have key performance indicators that actually measure the steps of the sale so that you can, you know, again, drive those efficiencies and accelerate um, sales. And then um, lastly, um, any like a- additional support, you know, system, so to speak, maybe your accounting system or, or your ordering system or your manufacturing system to, again, you know, support that whole sales cycle. And everything, you know, combined um, kind of is what we include in a sales audit. So pretty comprehensive. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 our clients seem to like it. We encourage people to do it every single year. So. And how long does it take to go through all those steps? Well, I would say, speaking. you know, between 20 and 40 hours usually. And okay. then there's some, usually there's some things that you want to get changed. So they might identify, oh, we should update the website or we want to, um, you know, put together a different benefit program or change the comp or we might want to add a CRM system, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it really, and every business is different. So everybody's list is always significantly different. And I would imagine that um, before people call you, pick up the phone and call you, there must be something that creates the impetus to get that help. So either they're not satisfied with their revenues or they're not satisfied with something or they're getting feedback from clients that or customers that's not favorable or maybe multiple different things. But we, Yeah, I find most of the, the biggest deal is that companies want to grow. So they've been okay. doing something for so long and they're finally ready to like really to make a change and, and to grow the organization or there's been a change in, in culture and uh, maybe profitability is much more important or they're adding a new product or a new service. And that's kind of why, you know, an organization, um, yeah, it's a lot of times because they want to grow. What happens if you show up on uh, and um, they don't have any kind of a plan? Because you said, you know, it all kind of starts with uh, goal, the goals based on the mission, vision, values. What if they don't have mission, vision, values very well defined? Did you have to spend time on that first then? Or, yeah, that or, is or our first step. Or maybe you don't find that's the case. Yeah, yep. Because in every organization, that's where you should start. 
I just think about, you know, Kaplan and Norton, who um, the, the guys at uh, Harvard School of Business who developed the balance scorecard. You know, in their research, mm-hmm. they always talk about the significant percentage. I can't remember, 80-some, 87% or some ridiculous percentage of companies that do strategic plans but don't look at them. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> so I just wonder how often you uh, run into that on a monthly. Well, and I well, and I think here's the best test. I always say to the CEO or who, the leadership team. So tell me, can you rattle off your mission? And if you can't rattle off your mission, you don't have it down. So I always, you know, encourage people to come back and and you want it to be so simple that you can tell people, you know, in the ele- it's like it's literally your elevator pitch. Sure. So um, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've faced doing this work, Jill? Um, I guess um, getting the word out and educating leaders as to how important it is to kind of do your sales audit every single year and what's included in the sales audit. And, um, you know, once you do it, it's, it's so rewarding. And, you're, you know, you, the team usually feels so much more engaged because they're in, in, we incorporate them in, in every single step of the um, the sales audit. So what happens is, is a byproduct is you have amazing buy-in because everybody's opinion is kind of heard. And, and does this does your approach work with any size of a company, or does it yeah. work better with small or medium, or it doesn't matter? Nope, I've worked with individual sole proprietors, one people business, and I've worked with a billion dollar company. So kind of all over. I've worked with sure. nonprofits and and for profit and um, government and non government and yeah. So it, it's it's just like an audit. It's just a it's just a process. So anybody sure. could do it. Well, I'm, we're going to take another short break, Jill. But when we return, um, we'll talk about um, uh, some of the differences uh, we talked about a little bit. But we'll talk a little bit more about what the differences are in driving revenue in a nonprofit or public agency, and then specific things we can do about that. So please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on leadership matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time for our special series on today's Biz Buzz. Learn how you can become the technology innovator who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough business and industry strategy. Biz Buzz with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Thank you so much for joining our show today. If, you, if you're just joining us, uh, I'm your host, John Janetta, and uh, with me today is Jill Sloop, the CEO of Verde Martin. You know, I didn't just um, call Jill up cold to be on this show. In fact, I've, I've, in terms of full disclosure, I've known Jill for a number of years. We actually used to work, used to work together at a, on another agency, and since I've been here at Heart and Family Service, we actually had Jill come in and help us accelerate sales on a particular program. And so we were talking on the break and thought maybe this would be a good time to talk about that example. And so, Jill, maybe you can um, um, describe what you did for our agency and our um, Healthy Alternatives for Little Ones program. Yeah, so John had this great program that uh, literally taught youth how to make better decisions. And um, when we started, you know, we got through the goals and one of the aspects was is we needed that program to either break even or to, to make money. And when we actually looked at the margin of the product, we did our analysis within our goal section. What we learned was is that there just wasn't enough margin for that product to be profitable with the current sales model. So one of the things that we looked at was actually changing the channel, so to speak. So initially we had two people that were going around and trying to sell the product and what we learned was, you know, they would never be able to pay for themselves. So we went and contacted a variety of agencies to actually represent the product and to sell it directly. And then um, his center would actually just take a, um, you know, a percentage, so to speak, or, or a flat rate for every item that, they, that these agencies would sell. And it worked out great because um, the product is, is – selling on a regular basis to some large organizations like the state of Arkansas and, and some other nice um, uh, organizations that support youth, they're, they're still educating um, the children to make healthy choices, um, but it's profitable. And, um, and we, it wasn't that difficult to actually make that change. Um, I mean, it was difficult in regards to the organizational change, but in regards to the profitability component, um, it was actually, I think, an, it's an easier product now to just to sell the kits than um, before to actually do the kits and, and a lot of training. So maybe John, yeah, I mean, you can it's, comment. It's basically, this is basically a curriculum. So what people are buying is the curriculum, and then they get the training to implement it in preschool uh, rooms to teach little children how to make healthy choices, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I think one of the other strategies that we implemented with your help, Jill, was um, using more online and social media um, outlets to get the word out about what we're doing and to make those sales. And I think that's been probably one of the most effective yeah, ways so, of doing it. Yeah. So, and again, kind of just taking our five-step process. So the first, you know, concept was, you know, our goals, we wanted to make it profitable. Second was we looked at the steps of the sale, how it was being sold now, to, you know, recognize it couldn't sustain itself. Third, we looked at the marketing. Gosh, how could we actually drive the decision makers to the product? And again, that's when you, your team implemented, you know, the whole social media um, concept. And um, I believe one of your people is now, you know, talking at, you know, national conferences about the product 
And so, again, you know, really good light placed on, you know, directly impacting the people that would make the decision to buy that curriculum. So, um, and then, you know, we looked at, you know, the actual um, talent management component, and we didn't really have to make much changes there. And then lastly, the systems, and um, uh, there wasn't a ton of of change there either. So your audit was actually pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember, too, I don't remember which step it was in, where we kind of looked at the components to see could we could we create more margin by having cheaper components in the curriculum. So the, the, besides the printed curriculum, there are some things that come with it. Um, for example, we teach about the anatomy, and so there's this apron that has different organs that stick onto it that the lessons will reference as a resource that you have to have when you're teaching those particular lessons. And so the, I think you had the idea, well, I wonder where if we couldn't find another a manufacturer that could produce these cheaper or, and there were a couple other things like that. Maybe there was a stethoscope, I don't remember. And, and so you did some research, but I think we discovered that what we were doing now was probably a really good deal and we would just continue with that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, it went from being a money loser. Well, it, it still had a great purpose, but we, we yeah. were losing money out of, out of, and then, and now you guys make money. So, and again, just, Simply, you know, by changing the the uh, channel, and and sometimes with organizations, it's this is how we've always done it. It's really just changing. You, you asked about the challenge, you know, before the break, and one of the challenges sometimes is really getting people to actually think, you know, about things a different way, and uh, and and that sometimes can be a challenge. That's what I was going to say. It seems to me like that might be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, challenge because, you know. If, if I've been to school and I've studied social work or counseling or human services or even public administration, mm-hmm. and then I come into, um, into this career and I maybe start off as a direct service provider and then maybe I'm um, running a particular program or coordinating one and then I'm the director of an area and then I'm, I'm you know, in some level of leadership, vice president and then president, um, I may not have had very much experience in business in right. traditional business and understanding what are the important metrics, what are the lead and lag indicators. So if I push on this, I know that if that's successful, then down the road I'm going to get this um, because of that. So I don't necessarily understand all of that. I'm think, I think mostly about how do I develop programs that have an impact. So I'm thinking about, well, if I push here, I'm going to get a better outcome there. If I, if I do this and that's going to increase the number of people I'm able to serve, but I'm not thinking about the revenue side of it or the sales side of it. So how do I, how do I learn that when I've never really had any training in it or even have ever thought that way? Well, I think um, one of the, one of the one easy thing is actually to put your yourself in the shoes of your buyer and to like to really make things um, the most efficient or or the easiest for, for the buyer. Um, how, how would they want something to be purchased? Um, or, you know, if it's a service orient, you know, service oriented aspect, um, an, an example might be, you know, with the park district, um, they had a program that, you know, it was a before, the, before school program. Well, they never really surveyed the parents to find out what would be the most convenient time for them to open. So when we actually listened to the customer by doing a survey, we are amazed um, to understand that we didn't have to be open as early as we were open. 
and there was only it was you know a shell of of participants that came as as early as they they needed to. Now, in some cases, kids got dropped off earlier, you know, because it was a, a convenience factor. But in regards to what the true hours were, and we actually saved um, payroll time by making a few modifications based on what our customers told us were, was the most beneficial for them. So there are times that if you just listen to your customer or survey your customer, um, you can, you know, find efficiencies. And how do you then... Um so listening to the customer is a strategy that I think would be really easily translated because obviously that's something, if we haven't been trained to do it in our sectors, we understand how important it is. And uh, I don't know how many, but I would say many agencies, at least I know ours and many uh, mm-hmm. or agencies similar to ours do that. They have, we have processes for collecting client feedback on a regular basis and looking at that. Yeah. Um, how about um, market channels? How do you how, look at a channel? How do you do that? Um, well, I guess you know we have a little module that we actually walk people through to actually consider new market channels. Uh-huh. Um, let me. I'm trying to you know uh, give you a good example. I mean, obviously, you know your product is a is a great example of that, but. Sometimes, you know, even payment methods, right, or using, there's probably like 17 different channels, everything from, you know, so to speak, consignment to retail to wholesale. But, you know, I mean, think about the world of shoes, right? I mean, even if you just go back, like, say, 15 years ago, most people bought their shoes by going into a shoe store, right? Um it wasn't popular to necessarily, you know, buy online. Now <laughs> you can you can walk into a specific shoe store. You could go into a department store that has a shoe department. You could um, buy your shoes online. You could go into a store that only provides sporting goods shoes. So again, by opening that mind and looking at, gosh, how am I actually delivering that product? Um, you know, I mean, there there's now adult daycare, so to speak, where there's a camera in the ceiling of someone's home to make sure that a person is safe, and they never have to leave their home, but they're still having adult daycare in a weird way. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I think I, mean, I think about that. Um, services for seniors is a great example. Uh, yeah. I think of of how important the skills that you're talking about are and should be to those of us who work in this these sectors, because when I was getting my, um, completing my graduate education, it was in the um, 80s, mid 80s, mm-hmm. mid to late 80s. And at that time, services for seniors were by and large the purview of our sector. And um, as I was, um, but as I was starting to finish up my, um, my studies, um, 1990, you were starting to hear about uh, private entities, for-profit private entities providing services to seniors that would allow them to live independently in their homes because that's what people wanted. That was what people were saying. I don't want to go into a nursing home. I don't want to go into a a congregate living. I want to stay in my own home. That's where I'd be happiest. Mm -hmm. And And now there um, are billion-dollar industries around that exact service. Absolutely. And I think all the time, what else is like that? What are we doing right now that if only we knew and could do shift some things here and shift some things there would could be an, another billion dollar industry that people would would gladly 
want to pay money to receive those services because it's and it's not just about making the money; it's about having an impact. All it of is? those people that are now paying for these services weren't weren't getting the services unless right. it was just unless they were fortunate to have family that could help or they could figure out um, how to access resources to achieve their goals on their own. Um, yeah. But now there's all these resources that are available for people um, who can, um, you know, get the help that they need and, and stay in their homes and probably save considerable resources by avoiding um, or at least delaying entry into higher levels of care. Yeah. And again, it kind of goes back to all those people said, I want to stay in my home. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, the customer was telling you what they wanted and it was just a matter of someone actually listening. Absolutely. Well, Jill, I, uh, we're getting the cue to take another break. Okay. So um, we will, when we return, we'll talk to Jill about where we might find additional help if we're interested in learning how to drive revenue. And we'll also uh, find out what's next for Jill and her company, Faraday Martin. So please stay tuned, and we'll be right back on more, with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Thanks again for joining our show today. I am your host, John Janetta, and with me is Jill Sloop, CEO of Verde Martin. We've been having what I think is a really interesting conversation about how to drive sales in our nonprofit and public sectors. And before we went to the break, uh, Jill was talking, reminding us about how important uh, listening to the customer is. It's sort of the basis for all of our all of this work, 
whether we're talking about revenue or outcomes or impact. And Jill, when we were on the break, you had, a, I think, another good example from your experience at the Humane Society. So one of the things that we looked at was um, the team identified that we had our most customers show up at the Humane Society on Saturdays and Sundays. And one of the things that when we looked at the number of animals that we were able to adopt on Sunday, um, they were down because everyone had adopted them on Saturday. So it was great because what happens when an animal comes in is um, comes in the back door of, a, of the Humane Society, they're usually spayed or neutered and given some um, you know, medical care if they need any, and then they're placed on the adoption floor. And one of the great things that the back door people, you know, the people that take care of the animals before they get adopted, identified was if they were to change their schedule and work from Tuesday to and Saturday, we could adopt more animals because they were doing the spay and neuters and the medical care on, on that Saturday. And we increased the adoption rate by 65 animals um, on that Sunday because there was more dogs and cats for people to adopt. And it was such a nice success story because we looked at when people want to shop. Again, we looked at the steps of the buy and the steps of the sell. When people want to adopt an animal, which is usually on the weekend, to make sure we had the most dogs and cats so that they could adopt them on those days. So it was really exciting and just this nice success story to know that a dog went home sooner versus sitting in a cage because um, the backdoor staff, you know, engaged in regards to um, helping those animals. Yeah, what a great story. That's fantastic. And I think that's exactly what every one of us as leaders want to see happen. We want to see those better outcomes, more engaged staff, uh, just fantastic. So I know, Jill, that um, before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your book because you've recently written a book that really describes this whole process. So maybe you could say a little bit about it and how uh, our audience might uh, find it if they're interested. Sure. Well, it's on Amazon, and um, it's called Rule of Thumb Sales Strategy, and it literally walks businesses and, and leaders through looking at a, um, their sales strategy. And it's quick, and it's easy, and uh, it... Uh, um, and if you are interested in that, yeah, feel free. We're on sale at Amazon. And uh, what about for you? What's next? What's well, next I'm actually partnering with a Ph.D. named Trent Walkner from Creighton University in Omaha, and we are actually going to write our next book, which is The Sales Audit. And um, I'm hoping, hoping we're going to come up with a little sexier name. But um, we are in, just in draft form at this point. And, uh, yeah, so we're anticipating that that um, will be done by the end of the year. That's fantastic. Maybe you can come up with some kind of a name taken from your experience at the Humane Society. Yeah, there we go. Adopt me faster. <laughs> Something, that really peaks, yeah. Something that just piques a person's interest. Well, I wonder what that's about. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to go up with something interesting. So um, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners, Jill, who are looking for new ways to drive revenue? You know, consider doing a sales audit. And if, if, if you, if worst case, uh, look at your steps of the sale. Um, look at how people buy things. Look at how you're selling and marry the two up and try to make it a great experience for the customer. And if, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you to help with that process, how would they do that, Jill? Well, they could look at our website. It's called veritymartin.com. Or they can just call me. I'm at, uh, you want my phone number? Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, 917-416-7498. And that's my cell, so anyone can call me anytime. And Verde Martin is V-E-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N.com? Yeah. Verde means green, and Martin is my mother's maiden name. So I went after a favorite child status by naming my company that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
So always the achiever. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so um, who does your sales audit then? Actually, my team, I have a, I have a sales auditor on, on the team, and then we've licensed our, our system to uh, other sales auditors in, in Chicago and uh, Omaha. And we do our sales audit every year, and we actually look at our KPIs on a monthly basis. So I'm a big and believer in, in measuring. I think sales is a science. And are you growing the way that you had hoped and wanted? Yeah, actually, um, we're adding two more auditors uh, this month, and I have four more starting in April. So it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm always looking for auditors, so yes. And you're getting, and you've got lots of uh, potential clients in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, once people kind of learn about a sales audit, that um, they're open to, to, you know, at least exploring the options. And um, we'll, we do individual classes, so a business person can come in and take a class. We do full-service audits, so we'll have, a, you know, an auditor actually do a full-service audit. And then I'm training people to, to be auditors. Have you, are you seeing any competition spring up? Because I know in yeah. the... Um... Well, I'm kind of I'm training my own competition, which is a are really you? good thing. Yeah. So we license our system to other sales auditors. So there's a gentleman, you know, in, in Omaha and in, in a woman in Chicago that, you know, have different companies. Um, Tom's is called Lighthouse 5, and he uses our system um, within his company. And then Mary Erlane um, in Chicago, she uses our system in, in her company. So, yeah, it's, it's really – and I'm really talking to a lot of uh, CPAs. I would love it if a CPA actually used our system again. Um, you know, on a financial audit, they kind of look backward. A sales audit looks forward. I just think it'd be a great, you know, product for their customer. It would uh, really round out what they're able to offer. Yeah, that's kind of my vision. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate uh, that you were willing to be on the show today, Jill. And uh, I can say as uh, not only a friend, but also as a, a customer, uh, that the work that you do is really, really top-notch and very, very helpful. Oh, well, I love hearing it, and we loved working with you. And, and uh, um, I can honestly say I'm excited to go to work every day because of, you know, businesses are so enthusiastic about their own business. So that's kind of what makes me happy. So, And I, I think that's what really resonated with our staff is that you were so positive about it. You know, I think for our staff, maybe it was a little bit overwhelming. It, they just weren't quite sure what to do next. And you came along and you made it super simple and you were very positive about what the opportunities were and what we could do. And, and, and because of that and your leadership, I think it made a lot of the success, the success that we're seeing today possible. So oh, thank well, you good. so much. Sure. Yeah, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, best wishes to um, you and to your company and to um, hitting those uh, future goals that you audit every year. Thank you. Um, and thanks for being on the show. And thank you to our listening audience for tuning in. Uh, please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.